before we kick off this week's episode, it's that time again. My flagship course, Set Up Shop, is running in March. If you have an online handmade shop that you would like to overhaul or update, or you've been wanting to set up your online shop and just haven't got around to it or aren't quite sure how to do it, then Set Up Shop is the course for you. It's actually the course that started this whole thing, Create and Thrive, because I had set up my shop and it was doing really well and I was blogging about it and I kept getting asked the same questions over and over again about, you know, how do I do my photos? How do I do my pricing? What What is a policy? <laughs> all of this stuff over and over again and I'm like, you know what, it'd be a lot easier if I just put all these questions and all the answers together and turned it into a system. It's more than a course, it is actually a system that you can follow from beginning to end and by the end of it, you will have a fully-fledged, fully operational online shop set up and ready to go. It's a 30-day intensive course, one lesson a day for 30 days. You also get uh, access to me for a couple of live Q&A sessions throughout the course and it's super affordable because I want to make sure that everybody who needs this course can afford it. Now it is launching very very soon if you want to know more about it head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash set up shop or one word and join the 1000 plus makers from all over the world who've already used the set up shop system to set up a stellar online handmade shop for their creative goods. I sometimes thinking about, like, I always think, I'm like, oh, I'd love to do more, like, business consulting or mentorship. I just don't have time. I should have said that in the podcast. <laughs> Why didn't I say that? <laughs> I think about it all the time. Because I, I talk with people about this stuff, like, behind the scenes a lot. Like, I just, people reach out to me yes. and I'll give them some random advice but I, I really do enjoy talking about that side of it it's really interesting and it's a huge part of doing this thing right you need oh, to know yeah. how to run a business too not just weave it's they're equally For as sure. important do you want to grow a thriving profitable handmade business my name's Jess Van Den and I'm here to help you do just that I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010 and since 2013 I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Today's guest on the show is someone I've been wanting to chat to for a long time. It took us a while to get ourselves sorted, but I'm so excited to bring you this episode. Her name is Jen Duffin and she is the maker behind Nova Mercury. She makes absolutely beautiful weavings and she also sells weaving supplies through her Etsy shop. And she has a fantastic Instagram feed. If you haven't checked that out, Nova Mercury is where you're going to find her. In this episode, we talk all about her business journey, why she started, uh, why this is a really great choice for her because she deals with chronic pain and chronic illness. And so having her own handmade business works really well. We talk about how she juggles. <laughs> You'll find out why I laugh when you listen to the episode. Uh, her family, she's got two young children, a partner who travels a lot, and she works on the business full time. So we talk about how she manages to do all of that and stay very successful. So let's dive in to this episode. This is episode 220 of the Create and Thrive podcast. So today I'm here with Jen Duffin from Nova Mercury and I'm so excited to be doing this interview because we've been trying to do it for a while and I cannot wait to talk to Jen about her work. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> 
So you make absolutely beautiful work weaving. Um, do you still do macrame much or is it mostly weaving now? I, I do mostly weaving now, but I still dabble in macrame on occasion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, do, I think I just stumbled across you on Instagram and kind of fell in love with your lovely, bright, colorful work uh, and wanted to chat to you about it. And you've only been in business for, I think, four years now uh, and things seem to be going really well. So can you tell us how you started? Yeah, sure. Um, my story, I feel like, is maybe a bit unconventional, but then sometimes talking to other people, <laughs> I realize maybe it's not. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you're you're totally right. I've been uh, working for myself as an artist and a maker for um, just shy of four years now, and um, I I hadn't. Prior to that, I hadn't really been making art on any sort of regular basis at all. I was actually working in the music industry as a grant writer. So a very highly sort of logistical and administrative office job. So very different. Um, But uh, after the birth of my second child, um, I just really felt like... uh, bit overwhelmed trying to manage everything in my life and I felt like some things needed to change Um, and I decided to go into business for myself. Uh, A big piece of the puzzle for me is that I I live with chronic illness. It was a really big reason why I started doing this because I was looking for a way to try to um, you know gain a modest income while doing something I loved but also just being at home and having some flexibility and I initially started by making macrame. So I, I took an online class on a creative bug was the platform. And it was Emily Katz who taught it, who is the founder of modern macrame. Most people know in the fiber art world know who she is anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned to make plant hangers from her. And I just started selling them locally in Montreal. My friends were interested in them. And then I... Uh, started selling them in a little shop uh, near my house and um, I decided to open an Etsy store shortly after that and it's just sort of grown from that from that point. I find that really interesting and I think that's quite a common like you said now I think in our little niche of the world it's quite a common story you know people um, who've had a baby and having a break or you know really just want to make a shift in their lifestyle uh, and working a different way Uh, my husband actually has chronic migraines as well so it's a really good because he works with me in the business so you know I think it'd be difficult for him to have a full-time job these days because there are days where he just has to you know lie down (laughs) basically yeah totally it was the same for me and so um yeah it's it's challenging sometimes the world we live in is very fast-paced and has high demands and I know that doesn't work for a lot of people right so (laughs) Mm -hmm. sometimes we just need to to make our our own way and that's what I did but I really feel like um you know, I feel like this was supposed to happen for me. And this was a path I was supposed to find at some point in my life took me maybe a little bit longer to figure it out. But uh, I'm so glad that I did. So what made you fall in love with weaving? You started with macrame and then moved into that sort of world. Yeah, that's a great question. Because like, as a as a child, and as a younger person, I was very artistic, and I was constantly making art, and I always drew and painted. So that's sort of the art practice that I've always been very drawn to um so Mm -hmm. fiber art was totally new to me and I actually got into macrame because I just wanted to make plant hangers from my house and believe it or not 
like five years ago they weren't everywhere so you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't find them now that's not an issue macrame is really on trend right now but um mm-hmm. yeah so I just taught myself and I just really fell in love with the the process um for macrame it's like really it's like the tactile nature of working with fiber but then it's very meditative too right like the nodding mm-hmm. and you have to be very present. It almost doubles as a mindfulness practice. Um, yeah. And then because I sort of got into the fiber art world, I don't know why, but to me, weaving just seemed like a natural next step to try. I was really mm-hmm. um, drawn to it when I saw, um, like mostly on social media, like saw people weaving or posting pictures of woven wall art. And I was really intrigued and I was like, I would love to try that. And I really just bought a loom on Etsy and same thing did an online class on creative bug and learned a couple techniques and went from there but there was something about weaving that I cannot explain in words but it was really just this super visceral connection I made with it in French there's this mm-hmm. expression that is coup de coeur, which means like just like grabs your heart it was something about it that mm. just really captivated me and um I feel like since the day I picked up that loom I have woven almost every day since then it's wow very much That's a funny. part of my life it's very ingrained <laughs> in my life now yeah mm-hmm. and did you so when you kind of started this this journey in the macrame the weaving was it with having did you have in mind the idea of oh I could turn this into a business or was it very much just a personal practice at that stage I didn't at first no it was totally just personal practice like I said with the macrame I wanted plant hangers and I wanted Mm. just for my house and then the more I started um doing it I think the more I was like I could sell this but I wasn't actually weaving at that point I really just started with the macrame so um Mm. Yeah, and I think I was trying to think of creative ways to make an income, and um, it just—I have a—I have a, a background in retail as well. Like I worked retail mm. for such a huge part of my life, and I managed businesses a lot. So like that, the idea of starting my own business didn't actually seem so scary to me. At least the business side and the selling side of it, like that seemed something yeah. like I was very accessible to me. I think it was more the 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 risk taking aspect of <laughs> deciding to quit my job and just jump into it so um yeah so I definitely did have a feeling that I could sell it but not not I never imagined that I would be doing what I'm doing now when I started really never <laughs> <laughs> couldn't fathom it I love how that sort of thing happens yeah, yeah. so so do you think that business background kind of put you in a good position compared to a lot of people who kind of don't have that experience? I do. I think so for sure because I, I've had so much experience um, working in retail. So like kind of understanding how the market works, how to sell a product. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of customer service, sorry, customer service experience too, which I think is such a big part of what I do because I do work with clients all the time and I know how important it is to have great service and have a beautiful quality product and all of these things so it's definitely informed a lot of what I've done and I'm really grateful that I had had that background because I think it made this this leap more accessible to me for sure Mm. now you do have a few different kind of aspects of your business you sell I believe you sell ready-made pieces you sell materials like supplies Mm -hmm. and you also do custom work is that right I do yes 
So what's the sort of balance there for you uh, these days? Uh, And how did you decide to kind of get into selling the supplies as well as selling the finished products? Right. Well, yeah, when I first started, I really wanted to sell my own pieces, which is still what I want to do. Um, I I still struggle with calling myself an artist, but I do think that's <laughs> what I am. And what I <laughs> what I want to do is make original art and make my own pieces. And I'm honestly at my happiest when I can just tap into my creative drive and let it fly and not have any restrictions on it. Um, mm-hmm. But I also really love doing custom work. So custom work is in part sometimes recreating designs for clients because some of my designs are really popular. So if I make just one, you know, other people want to buy it. So I sometimes remake mm-hmm. the same design. Um, and sometimes it's really a collaboration where someone will reach out to me and they have an idea, but they like my work. And then we we really work together to sort of come up with a concept and a color story and fine tune it. Those are some of my most favorite projects because um, they challenge me to go outside of my own comfort zone sometimes. And some of the my most favorite pieces I've ever made have been like real collaborations with my clients. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of the like artistic side of it. And then the supply side, um, it, it happened, I think largely out of demand where folks were asking for stuff. And um, I would also start to share mostly over social media, sort of tips and tricks about what I was doing. And then you have people following you who want to learn. Right. So, Um, The supplies kind of just came sort of organically, but I realized that I really like having the supplies um, to sell because it creates a revenue stream for me that's not like contingent on my creativity. And it's nice to have that because I do, because this is what I do full time and this is how I provide for my family. This is how I pay my bills. This is not a hobby for me. So I, I really need to make money doing this. So um, I like the supplies because it gives me this sort of income stream that's direct and not, yeah, it's not contingent on my creative practice because I don't, monetizing your creativity is a tricky, <laughs> a tricky business, oh, yeah. which I'm sure you, <laughs> you and your listeners are very aware of. So it's just nice to have that option there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think your shop, one of the things that stand out uh, stood out for me as well obviously your Instagram, which is beautiful, but I love uh, that you've managed to style your shop so that, you know, the supplies and the finished products, they don't look jarring against each other. It actually kind of all fits together. And I think that's something that people who sell both things can sometimes struggle with. So. Oh, thank you. uh, That's really nice to hear. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, I guess you must enjoy also the teaching element of things like helping other people learn the craft. Yeah, that is a lot of fun and something I was nervous to start doing, but I think is one of my favorite parts of what I do. So I I don't teach all the time, but I do teach workshops throughout the year. And um, I mean, it's fun because I get to meet other people. (laughs) I work alone all day. (laughs) It's nice to have some social contact. But um, it's so inspiring to be... uh, yeah, in a room of people who want to learn something new. Um, a lot of them are taking like a big risk and um, often they're not folks with a regular artistic practice at all. So it's, mm. it's really fun to see uh, to see people come out and surprise themselves with what they're capable of creating with their own two hands. It's like such a wonderful part of my life and I love sharing it with other people. So teaching makes me 
it brings me a lot of joy to do it for sure. Yeah, and I feel like I mean I I look at weaving and I'm like I really'd love to try that. It seems really like a really accessible craft, like something that you can kind of have a go at and it doesn't seem overly intimidating to me you know I don't know what the technical skill involved and I'm sure there are technical skills involved but yeah it looks like something that would be really fun to try oh yeah it's it's really accessible and it's like any any craft or practice like weaving is quite technical and there are a lot of different types of weaving so you Mm. you can do weaving that is very technical and very difficult and that takes years of practice and skill and expertise to do well for sure but that there's nothing stopping you from picking up a little frame loom and learning to to do a basic weaving stitch because that like like my kids can do it you know it's it's totally accessible (laughs) and there's something about it too I think if people feel intimidated by sometimes like drawing or painting and needing to like render something fiber art can give you a different entry point into being creative where you you don't need to have that skill set and like um for me one of my biggest inspirations is color and I love playing with color and I love putting colors together and like to me that's so inspiring so it can even just be something as simple as that you know it doesn't need to be super complicated so um I sell weaving kits in my shop too that like come come with basically everything you need to start and a little ebook Mm -hmm. and like I see photos all the time of people who've learned this from my kit who haven't even had an in-class workshop and they've made a beautiful piece and they're really proud of it. So it's, I, I, I love, I love spreading that creative spirit and um, helping people tap into that within themselves. Cause I think we all have it. It's just, mm. you just need the tools to get there. Right. So for sure. So what would you say has been one of the biggest challenges you've had to over- overcome so far in your business journey? That's a really good question. And um, like, I can't, I can't think of like a, like a particular instance that was like a big challenge. Mm -hmm. I think like starting this business was a big challenge. Um, Mm -hmm. Like even like I said, just making that decision to to do this felt hugely risky. And um, like, to me, it's, it's paid off (laughs) and I'm glad. (laughs) Um, But I think like on an ongoing basis is the challenge I struggle with is, is finding I, I really don't like to use the word balance because I don't mm. know that it exists, but finding this sort of like rhythmic flow in my work as I juggle what I do for for work and my artistic practice with my, my family life and my home responsibilities. And for me, that's mm. always a constant source of... Um, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's not stress. It's just it's just always trying Challenge. to make it work. And it's ne- it, like yeah. the, the minute I think I've got it down, you know, something will will flip and then it's it's gone again. So that that's an ongoing mm-hmm. struggle. But I think um, I think a lot of folks <laughs> can relate. <laughs> yeah, I often think of the scientific concept of homeostasis, like you're going up or down and you're, you're always fluctuating, but you're kind of trying to get to that homeostatic point in the middle but it never stays there it's always fluctuating yeah for sure for sure (laughs) and how about on the flip side kind of big success moments like some really exciting moments or a moment yeah really awesome well it's all been awesome honestly and like (laughs) I sometimes I like I often just sort of pinch myself that I get to do this um 
and I'm just, I'm, I'm so grateful that there's, you know, <laughs> people who like what mm. I do and who buy my work and it just ma- brings me a lot of joy. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. But, um, I think something that's been really cool just last year actually is be- because I, I work alone and I'm not really integrated into like the maker or artistic community where I live. Mm-hmm. I don't do markets. I, f- I find for like logistical reasons, I find them very difficult to do. So because I don't do markets, I'm not really tapped into that like maker and artisan community. And I'm not really connected to like any sort of fine arts community here either because I just started doing this on my own in my home. So sometimes you mm. feel like you're in a bit of a vacuum. <laughs> like, yeah, echo chamber. It's just me. And, and, uh, uh, it's hard to get a sense of, you know, the, whatever impact your work is having. But um, l- mm. last year I was nominated for, um, I nominated myself, but that I was selected for the Etsy Design Awards and I actually made it to the finals. I was a finalist. So wow. that was a, a really amazing um, thing that happened because it was just like really lovely recognition by peers and other folks who are in the Etsy community, which is just full of so many brilliantly talented people so I that felt really nice um and also last year uh just before the holidays I was asked to uh be featured as part of a ad campaign with a big art supply chain here so that was also totally just out of the blue they contacted me (laughs) and I did a commercial for them and I've had my photo in their stores and it's really wild like yeah like in the (laughs) store it was really cool so and it was a national campaign and um that it was just really a a really nice recognition and it was totally Mm. unexpected so those were like some really nice highlights uh, of of last year anyways so Do you want to learn how to sell more online? I have a free video workshop just for you. It's called the 10 essential keys to successfully sell handmade products online. And it'll take you through the absolute key factors that will help you to unlock the door of successful online selling. To get access to it right now for free, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash 10. So, uh, now let's talk That's a little bit about the whole Instagram forward slash one zero. You have quite a lot of followers on Instagram. I do. Do you? So you're, you're basically, you're some, you're Instagram famous. So and now you're actually somewhat famous, famous. Like obviously this company reached out to you and like, hey, this person has a in in the community. Let's, let's get her involved. How, how has that been, that journey? You know, um... I, for the most part, I really love social media and I love the community of folks on Instagram. It is like a weird and wonderful place. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to take it like for what it is. Um, I I Mm. hope that I feel like I have a somewhat realistic perspective of (laughs) of what it is, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing marketing tool um, and it's totally free. So I love it. And I've met so many amazing um, colleagues on there. Like, it's weird because I actually feel like that's where my community is, is online. And I'm Mm -hmm. friends with a lot of fiber artists that I've known since I started. And we've all sort of grown together. Um, Some folks I've met in real life and I have like real life relationships with. So in that sense, it's been really amazing. And um, it allows me to... uh, 
you know, market and sell my work in a way that, like I said, is free and is easy to use. And it's fun to engage with people on it for sure. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoy, I enjoy it. I try to be mindful about how much time I spend on it because I think that Mm. can be, um, a real uh, it can be a real time suck if you're not careful yes so I try to manage it I actually like build my Instagram time like into my work day I'm very organized mm-hmm. like everything is my day is planned and I use agendas and everything's written and my Instagram time too I really try to measure it and I have specific goals and things I try to do on there so I really try to use it to my advantage and and have fun with it but mm-hmm. uh yeah I do have a lot of followers. I don't feel famous at all, though. It's weird. I'm really just me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how it happened most days. I think my funny, isn't it? Well, my work is. I think. I think if you're a visual artist and you make really colorful, visually, you know, impactful work, it works very well Mm -hmm. on that platform. So, yeah, it it helps that I make these big, bright, rainbow colored art pieces, and people are really drawn to that because it is so visual, right? So that's what works really well on that platform. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you anyone who who makes that sort of work, it's an awesome platform. Yeah, for, for sure. Because people just love that pretty stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> who doesn't love pretty stuff? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Okay, so so would you say Instagram's your kind of most successful marketing tool? Uh, for sure. I actually think it's like really the only one I use too. Right. Okay. So that's where kind of most of your traffic would come from. I don't even have a website, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> just an etsy i just have an etsy store and an instagram page that's it yep i actually got on facebook about uh, just over a year ago and i haven't gone Mm -hmm. gone back (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a great example of just like picking one thing and really going for it and making it work for you rather than spreading yourself too thin over too many different platforms. Yeah. I uh, think for what which can be a problem. Yeah. I think for what I do, it works because like I said, my work is mm. so visual. So Instagram is the best platform for me to be on and it, it works very well for me. It's not just even that I have um, followers and people like and comment, but I sell my work from that platform regularly mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. A lot of yeah. sales from it so, so it's a great marketing okay. tool <laughs> yeah definitely so let's talk a little bit about um well not balance because we don't like that word but uh kind of your everyday life so work slash the rest of your life how do you manage it all what does that look like to, in your world oh well like i said i'm very organized person um and my life is pretty compartmentalized so between um my health issues which it just basically means that i i live with like chronic pain and fatigue for folks that don't Mm -hmm. know so um like the amount of energy i have in a day is limited so i really this is also why i really plan my time because i need to um and my partner also travels a lot for work so i'm often alone with my kids so um Mm -hmm. i really need to be organized (laughs) in order to get everything done so um, our day starts off with, uh, we get up very early. I'm up out of bed at 5.30 most days. Um, and my kids are both out of the house by 7. So we're, we're out very early. My son's school starts at a ridiculously early hour, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> so um, my whole family is out of the house by 7 a.m. So wow. my workday starts at 7 a.m. I, I take some time for myself to do some things for myself in the morning. But um, I do, I get to work pretty early. 
Um, and I, like I said, I have a paper agenda. I'm really like analog. I like to write things down. Um, <laughs> and my whole day is planned. I have like a list of tasks for my day. So I might be working, if I'm working on a custom order, I'll sit down and start weaving. Otherwise I'm like packing and shipping orders, which I do every week. Um, I do everything myself too. So mm-hmm. I had an assistant for a little bit last year, but she had to go. So, um, I'm all alone again. And, uh, yeah. And then my, so I really just work all day and then my son gets home around three o'clock. So that's when I stop working for the day. Um, and when my kids are home, I really try not to work. So usually once my mm-hmm. kids are home, we like have a snack, we talk about our day, we do homework. Um, we play games. I pick up my, uh, my daughter around four thirty or five, you know, we cook dinner, have dinner together, bath bedtime. And then I go to bed like basically when my kids do because Mm -hmm. we get up so early in the morning so usually by like 9 p.m I'm in bed with a book and I read for a little bit and that's it (laughs) so sounds lovely yeah (laughs) really nothing exciting I work I work from home which is is convenient and because of Mm. our our lifestyle so I don't I don't have a studio that I'm traveling to I I'd love to have that in a Mm. few years maybe but while my kids are young and I need to be close to home it just makes more sense to work work here so yeah. So do you, so do you kind of work um, Monday to Friday typical week as well and have the weekend off with the family? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I work Monday to Friday and yeah, I take weekends off. I don't work on the weekends. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, a question about that because I know a lot of people, especially beginners, really struggle with this idea of being available to their potential customers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How do you manage that? Oh, I just don't do that. Yep. <laughs> I- <laughs> I think that's a super unrealistic expectation for anybody. And like mm-hmm. part of the reason I do this too is because I work for myself and make my own schedule. So, and like I pride myself on having excellent customer service and my clients mean the world to me, right? Like I don't get to do this without them, mm-hmm. but I don't think you should be like on your phone or your computer all day and not have access to just having some downtime. Like I don't think that's good for mm-hmm. anyone. No, and I like really try to have boundaries with my work. So yeah, when Mm -hmm. I like I'm done work for the day, I'm done. And if someone, uh, if I get a message on Etsy, like sometimes I'll just answer it the next day. I mean, it's Mm. fiber art. It's not an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) I think people can wait a little bit. It's okay. I wouldn't, if I was in the client's perspective position, I would, I wouldn't expect a response immediately. You know, I think like 48 hours Mm -hmm. is reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the reason I wanted to bring it up because I'm the same. I mean, I've been in business for almost 12 years now. I don't I don't answer emails on weekends. And, you know, that's my business is still fine. <laughs> I, just, I just want to give this this call out to people who feel like they always have to be on. No, for sure. You, no, you, de- you don't. You do not. <laughs> and if you're if you're building your business that way, it's not sustainable. Right. Like you're going to burn out mm-hmm. at some point doing that. And this is another thing I've learned from living with chronic illness is I have really good boundaries around my limitations mm-hmm. and I know what they are and they're they're kind of set in stone and that's it. And I I think it's important, like in the, in the world we live in now, there's just demands on our attention constantly and it's mm-hmm. it's not sustainable for anyone to live like that. You know, I want to have uninterrupted time with my family and I leave my phone in the other room and I don't even look at it, you know turn off the ringer. Mm -hmm. No, I'm out. (laughs) 
Excellent. Turn off the notifications, people. I encourage everyone (laughs) to do the same as well. Like just be present with your kids and life is short and you know, like you don't need, you can't do all the things all the time. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So do you have an idea of like a vision for the future of your business where you want it to take, to take it, or is it kind of a more let it evolve as it goes sort of thing? Um, a bit of both. Like I always have ideas and goals for sure. Um, in my head, I don't always share them out loud. Right. But, um, and, <laughs> and my business has largely been organic, but there's definitely things I would like to do. I, I mean, I want to continue hopefully growing, as an artist and growing in my weaving practice, I'd like to learn some new skills. Like this year, I'm hoping to learn a spin yarn, which is something I don't know how to do and I would really like to learn how to do. So that Mm -hmm. is um, maybe something that's going to evolve. I'd also really like to do more. um, I love making large scale work. It's kind of my passion Mm -hmm. and what I really like I'm most excited by. So, um, I don't know how I'm going to go about doing this, but I, I would love more large scale commission work. So even if it was more um, like corporate work or something like that, I would be really interested in doing that too. So that's like a hope or a dream or a wish. We'll see. Mm. We'll see if it happens. But I'm also, I think right now for um, my lifestyle and how I want to live my life, like what I'm doing is good too. And I'm, um, I've, I've sort of, I think, had maybe some opportunities to sort of scale my business too, and I've chosen not to because I don't, mm. I don't want it to be too big right now either. Because I'm sort of happy about where it's at, and it's like I said, I still have all this time for my family and my kids, and I have that flexibility. They're young, so I want to mm. be around right now, and maybe in a few years when they're older and they don't want to hang out with me as much anymore then <laughs> my bi- my business will hopefully grow right but for now I'm like I feel pretty good about where I'm at so and I'm busy awesome. all the time again I'm very grateful for that and but it's like my hands are are pretty full most of the time with what I'm doing so yeah so do you have any other hobbies or creative practices outside of weaving now I you know I don't and I wish I had time for more stuff because mm. there's so many things I'm interested in um I I don't I really I would love to like paint and draw more I make art with my kids so we do stuff Mm. there where I like access other things but like I said I want to learn to spin so that's something I'm trying to make a little bit more time for this year um but no there's all the I like have a list of things I would love to have more time for and I just (laughs) can't can't make it happen right now so Mm -hmm. yeah they're just on the back burner so (laughs) can stay on stay on the dream board for yeah totally awesome now, I do want to just circle back around to Instagram because um, you obviously do an amazing job there. Do you have some like tips and advice for people who want to, you know, get, get better at Inst- Instagram, things that have worked for you over the last few years? Oh, sure. I mean, I will say that it seems like the, like Instagram, the algorithm changes all the time. And it mm-hmm. does seem to be more difficult now to build a following without some paid action happening in there and that's just the way they're building Mm -hmm. the platform and it is what it is but um there are some things you can do i would say number one is to educate yourself about how instagram works and try to make the algorithm work for you because that's really what you have to do 
because there's no other way around it, right? It's built to work a certain way. So you need to have engagement. You need to have people liking and commenting. Um, so something you can do is be really consistent. So you you kind of need to post frequently, I think, to grow on that platform. So being consistent, I try to post at the same time every day and I just make it part of my work day. It's like part of my business. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I will like put it down for a while. Um, learn to use stories and learn to use stories to engage with your followers. Um, try to make things as interactive as you can because that's what gets mm. people interested in wanting to see more for, from you. So if you are a maker, an artisan, or you have any sort of skill, if you're willing to skill share even a little bit, people really love that. And that is a great way to get engagement. Um, spend a little bit of time working on your photography skills because it is a visual platform. So you, you don't need anything fancy. I shoot all my pictures on, on my phone. I do everything on my phone. So um, mm -hmm. you just need a... You don't need a, a fancy camera or anything, but, you know, take note of composition. You can always go look at other accounts that you, you like to look at that you find visually appealing, you know, and like pay attention to how they're shooting their product and things like that, composition and content. And um, yeah, I feel like those are sort of the key things, but know who your audience is too, you know, like know who you're speaking mm -hmm. to, know who you want to be following you and then try try to reach out to those people but don't don't put all your eggs in that basket too it's not everything you know but um mm -hmm. it, it it's a really great tool and it's free it's a free marketing tool so um there's lots of great tutorials online that are free about like how to use it too and make it work for you if you are an artisan or maker etsy too has a lot of tips on how to like visually merchandise and market your things that are all free so do some research and like do the work and I, I feel like, um, yeah, you can just make it work for you. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so do you have, uh, apart from all the wonderful things you've already shared, is there another piece of advice or pieces of advice you'd like to give fellow makers about running a successful creative business? Ah, uh, probably lots. It's fun. I get asked about this sometimes, but um, it's always because there's so many pieces of running a business, right? Yes. I think, I think like the one of the biggest pieces of running a successful creative business is just being dedicated and try not to be thrown off your path by like either your successes or failures. It's all, it's all part of mm -hmm. it. So I think like knowing who you are, knowing what you're, what you're putting out into the world and just like sticking to that and being persistent and dedicated that is what's going to pay off in the long run i think building um a creative business from the ground up from scratch is a lot of work and people like will sometimes look at instagram and see like eighty thousand followers and be like oh it's so amazing how'd you do it and i'm just like i've just grant been grinding for four years every day you know yeah. <laughs> and I, i've really just done what i've always done i've done the same thing every day you learn and you grow from your experiences so it's really just being dedicated and like sticking to it find your own voice too like find because it's like saturated too markets are really saturated so you know know who you are don't be afraid to share your own voice um you know i think that's like mm -hmm. would be my 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 most useful advice and if you can find an uh, income stream that doesn't monetize your creativity, that's nice to have in place too. So. <laughs> mm. 
yeah, like the supplies or something. Yeah, yeah. Friends. So it gives you a little bit of breathing room sometimes, you know? Pressure's not always mm-hmm. on. Yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, did you happen to bring a quote today? You know what? I did. I looked one up for you because I'm not a quote person. <laughs> I'm not a quote person, Jess. But um, I really, but I feel like this is so often quoted. I'm going to do it anyways because okay. I, like most creative people at some point in my life, I read um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic and I feel like it's just full of so many great quotes. And <laughs> I really like her perspective on creativity. So my quote is from Elizabeth Gilbert, which is from Big Magic. And if you are a creative who hasn't read it, I definitely recommend it. And she, I haven't read it. Oh, I'm totally being honest now. I know so many people keep telling me to read it. <laughs> it's just like one of those books that's just made the rounds, you know. So you, yeah, you yeah. should definitely read it. There's some great little nuggets in there, and she's just she's so encouraging. Uh, she believes everyone is creative, right? Which is the same mm. perspective that I come to this from. So I really feel like aligned with a, a lot of what she says. But mm. one of my favorite quotes from her is. The universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. And I I really like that because I just, I lived for a long time, I think really being afraid to tap into my artistic potential and actually for a long time, I think didn't believe that I had any. And it's just, I, I, I often think of that quote when I like look back on my, my journey and how far I've come. So I think it's just it's in all of us you know we just have to we just have to mm-hmm. find it yeah I love that thank you so much Jen um that has been fantastic I just I love your work and I will be following it closely uh into the future where can people go to find you what's the best place well they can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Nova Mercury <laughs> and I have an Etsy shop which is also Nova Mercury I'm really working on building my website right now it is going to happen this year but for now just those two spots but and thank you so much Jess it's been a pleasure chatting with you I really appreciate you having me on huge thank you to Jen for coming on the show it was super fun to chat with her and hey if you're in the Thriver Circle my membership community for makers Jen's actually going to pop in and do a and a with us very soon so keep an eye out for that and if you're not a member you can join right now head on over to thrivercircle.com join our wonderful community and get access to oodles oodles and oodles of useful information that will help you grow your handmade business including members only podcasts live workshops past workshops and of course my yogi to thrive course which is the thing that i wish i had had in the first five years of my handmade business because it takes you step by step building block by building block through everything you need to know and work on in order to grow a thriving profitable handmade business to find out more about the course, you can head on over to youryearthrive.com or just head on over to thrivercircle.com and sign up now and you'll get your first lesson very, very quickly after you join and you get one lesson a week for a whole year. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jen. Hey, hit her up on Instagram. Let her know that you listened to the show. Go say hello and say, hey, Jess sent me here. <laughs> and... uh I will be back again next week, as always, with another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and goodbye for now.